0: i to bring Sue Stafford up. She's a lovely, lovely woman of God. She's a part of the eldership team here. We love her. We're excited. I've known her for many, many, many years. She's amazing and anointed. Can we all just stand real quick and just welcome Sue?
1: Come on, Sue. Hello. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> I'm excited and... Um, Actually, I'm I'm humbled to bring this word to you. Um, so anyway, I'm going to tell you a story and um, what God spoke to me through it, and it'll all tie together. Hopefully, I won't bounce around too much. So how many of you have a bucket list? Anybody? Bora, Bora. Okay, great. Um, well, I've never really had one, but... I'll get back to that in a moment. So before I um, met Mike, I was a part of a church, and I worked there. I went to the young adults group at the church, and um, two ladies had asked me if I wanted to move in with them, and they were going to rent a house, because they had previously been living together in an apartment. And at first I said no, because I just didn't think I could afford it, but then... They got back to me, and they said, we'll pay this much in rent if you could at least pay this much. And I was like, okay. So there's where that started. So we moved out together and lived together, worked together, went to the same church together, was in this young adults group together. But it was really um, a wonderful time in my life. It was about three years. So then Mike came on the scene, and... um, we got married. I moved out of the house, and uh, a few years later, um, I had Jessica. My friends' names are Reenie and Jody. Uh, Reenie met um, through mutual friends, a man who lived in who lives in Illinois, and she got married that year. Moved to Illinois. Jody moved to England, and then she married someone there and eventually moved back to Michigan. Um, so fast forward to two years ago, I, was, I get Christmas cards, we exchange Christmas cards, and Rainy always sends a wonderful Christmas letter and Facebook friends, but I just thought, gosh, wouldn't it be great to see them? And I just kind of started thinking about it. You know, maybe go to the farm where Rini lives, and Je- Reenie or Jody can come down. And then dismissed it. And then the next year, kind of thought I, Well, this year, um, Jody had sent us a Facebook message. It was a picture of the house that we used to live in. And so we were chatting it up on the Facebook. And um, and I said, maybe you know, maybe you guys like to get together sometime. I'm like, sure, sure. Well, you know how sometimes that goes. Well, it was May, and I thought, all right we're going to do this, so I texted them, and we got a date, and we started planning and I had asked where's Andrea, um, my sister-in-law Andrea, if she would like to go because she knows these ladies as well, and probably knew them before I did, and so we thought, okay, we can do this. We'll go one night, and we'll all get together so during that week, it was really busy. I had something everyday after work, and you can't really think about sometimes you can't think about. Five days away until you're the day before. So um, I was thinking about, okay, I gotta get the, make sure I got air in my tires and this mat and, and, oh, I should get her a gift and forgot to get the gift. And I go pick Andrea up, drive four hours, we talked the whole way there. We're getting out of the car and she said, oh, I wanted to bring her some flowers. I'm like, oh, Rainy, some flowers. And like, I know I forgot a gift and you know, I just feel bad. So Rainy is texting us and she wants to meet us at the hotel. She lives seven miles away. And so we're like, well, okay. And then um, she texted me, and we said, okay, we're in room so-and-so. And then um, I texted Jody, and she was almost there. And Andrea and I in our hotel room, and knock, 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 and Rini comes bustling through the door. And it was so great to see her. And she has this gift basket for us. <laughs> She brought us a gift, you know, and it was just, so. Oh my gosh, it was so humbling. It felt so bad, but anyway, um, so there's the gift basket, and she had made these homemade goodies, and it was really, really super sweet, and little cards for us. Um, so then we, um, Jody came up, and we, on we went to the farm. We followed her to the farm. So if you could show the next picture of, there's the farmhouse where she lives, and this, far, this house is 102 years old. Her husband and his family lived there the whole time. So Rini's a city girl. She's now living in Illinois in a small town, and has made a life there. And there's so many testimonies of her life there, so she's been married 26 years now. Um, so we come to her house, and go in her kitchen, and she says, okay, you guys can have a seat. So we are sit at this table. She's got her grandmothers, our great-grandmothers tablecloth, and we say, can we help you do anything? And she's like, no, no, you guys sit down. And so we said, Renee, we were talking about you on the way up, because Rini used to um, be involved in the ladies' retreats, and she would honor people publicly during those retreats, people that were behind the scenes, you know, and call them out and give them a flower or whatever. And we said, Rena, you're doing it again. She's like, this is, you know, this is what I can do. So she says, help yourself to some homemade bread. You know, next slide. And she made the salad. She had picked the salad from her garden this early that morning. She made this wonderful butter. And she, you know, she's talking away. And She's plating up our food. And I was just, I felt so honored and humbled by her, you know, just excitement that she couldn't wait. She was anticipating and waiting for us to come. And she had asked us if there were any, had any food allergies or anything. So she prepared this big feast for us. And it was just really amazing. And we're sitting there eating and she's telling us all these stories, which I can't even go into, because I don't have enough time. <laughs> Um, So anyway um, What I want to talk about Also with the table Is um, Her husband had said She has been working for a week We were just like oh my gosh We're so honored Um, There's a quote from a book That I have And it was called Life is Friends by Jean Martinet and the quote is it's on hospitality, and and it says, "It's a gesture of affection, a special gift. You are offering people for a time all the comforts of your personal domain." And I just thought that is what she's doing. She's you know, whoever's coming in the town, or she, we came, and she's offering us her personal space, her food, food from the garden, and. It was just very, very honoring to us. Um, So then that night we went back to the hotel, and I'm all keyed up. I can't go to sleep. I'm thinking about her, and I was reminded because Andrea and I were talking about prodigal son, the loving father on the way up. So I'm thinking about the father and how he was anticipating and looking for his son. And I'll just read a quick synopsis of that. Um, In the story, a father has two sons. This is in Luke 15. A younger and an older. The younger son asks the father for his inheritance, and the father grants his son's request. However, this younger son is prodigal and squanders his fortune, eventually becoming destitute. The younger son is forced to return home empty-handed and intends to beg his father to accept him back as a servant. To the son's surprise, he is not scorned by his father, but is welcomed back, with celebration and fanfare. And it just reminded me of when Rini came. She was so excited. She had been anticipating. She brings us a gift. And, you know, we felt bad. We didn't have a gift. But that's just like God the Father. He is anticipating and wanting. He just wants us. I think last week, Holly and Dana had reference the story to and how he just wants us. He just wants us to come. We don't need to bring anything. You know, he just wants us. So I thought that was just really, really beautiful. Um, And he has everything prepared for us. He has a banquet table waiting. And it's not like we have to be, you know, gone astray and in sin and then we come back. We could just get busy in our lives or whatever. But we have access to him every moment of every day. The banquet table is waiting. And we really have no idea what we mean to the Father. We have no idea. Um, In the little uh, gift basket, there was this... We both had a card, Andrea and I, and mine, two lines in the card. It says, you cannot imagine how much this meant to me. You have blessed me beyond words. And I thought... I thought this trip was all about me. The bucket list, I didn't have a bucket list, but this was on the bucket list to go meet them, and I thought it was all about me. But she was blessed, and I was like, oh my gosh, it just really, really impacted me. Um, so the father is waiting and beckoning us, and, but the son had to do something he, in his mind, decided that he was going to come back. And he didn't have anything to bring, but, um, but he had to come home. So, Andrea and I, we didn't know what we were getting into going on this trip. You know, we're just thinking about other stuff. We have no idea what's waiting for us. So, when we go to the banquet table, you know, we don't really even know sometimes what the father has waiting for us. We get to enjoy his presence every day, every moment. It's not a table where you're served crumbs and a few drops of water. It's not a table where there's bickering or name-calling or being told you don't measure up or that you're worthless or incompetent. But it's a table where there is abundance of love. We're referred to as the apple of his eye. And he sent his son his very own son, to die for us. Um, So I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I'm going to read a little bit from Psalm 145. And this is about the father's character and what he, just some things about him. He says, you are faithful to fulfill every promise you've made. You manifest yourself as kindness in all you do. Weak and feeble ones you will sustain. Those bent over with burdens of shame you will lift up. You have captured our attention and all the eyes look to you. You give what they hunger for at just the right time. When you open your generous hand, it's full of blessings, satisfying the longings of every living thing. You are fair and righteous in everything you do, and your love is wrapped into all your works. You draw near to those who call out to you, listening closely, especially when their hearts are true. Every one of your godly lovers receives even more than what they ask for, for you hear what their hearts really long for, and you bring them your saving strength. Who doesn't want to be at a table with someone like that? I mean, why do we let busyness of life or sin get in our way? I, I don't know. But I just want to encourage you, go to the banquet table so if uh, Andrea and I had never gone, we would not have experienced this. We we had no idea what was waiting for us, but we would not have experienced it. And um, there's this quote in another book I read on the, the art of neighboring. It says, "When you give away what you have, Jesus will give you more." There's my friends, Reenie and Jody. Um, so. Jesus will give you more. Even if what you have isn't enough to solve the whole problem, just do what you can in the moment. Give it anyway. Trust that God will fill you up with enough to supply the need that's right in front of you, and assume he will do it again for the next need as well. If you don't give, you don't get a chance to see God do a miracle. So in that, I was thinking about um, how if we hadn't gone... We wouldn't have seen, you know, if we hadn't opened the gift, we wouldn't have seen, you know, uh, Rini again in her gift, a huge gift that she has. And I feel like, um, so I was trying to think about what I was going to say today. You know, I have this little prop. I had to, had to get this little prop. <laughs> um, I was thinking about, am I talking about the loving father I was like, no, is it about the banquet table? I'm like, no, and I was like, is it the gifts? I'm like, no, and it was like, you know, different facets of a diamond or whatever, the has little things in it, and I, in my mind, I saw myself, like, spinning, is it Loving Father, is it the banquet table, is it the gifts? And I was like, yes, it's the Loving Father, yes, it's the banquet table, yes, it's the gifts, and if you bounce it, it activates it, And it's all, it's all of it. It's the loving Father. It is the banquet table. It is the gifts. And how we need to also activate our gifts and see what's going to happen. And we can't wait till we have it all together. So I I love this quote. If you don't give, you don't get a chance to see God do a miracle through you. And it's like, I think it was in Luke where crowds were pressing on Jesus and he wanted to teach them. And he saw two boats on the shore and he said to Peter, let's get in this boat. You got a boat, let's go. (laughs) And out there he was able to teach the people. And then he said, Peter, throw your net on this side. And Peter's like, well, we've been toiling all night, but he did. And so through that, they got to see the miracle that God will do. Um, So anyway. You can go to the next slide. I've been thinking about how it all was kind of tying together. It was really amazing. Um, so Tom has been talking about this year, no, grow and go. I switched it up just for this, our no, go and grow. And you go to the next slide. And I was thinking about uh, Daniel Reynolds when he came about a month ago and he spoke on, Isaiah 61, 3. I'm going to read that really quick. Uh, The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance. And it goes on and on. And so I was thinking about that. And I thought it was pretty cool that, go to the next slide, so I've been thinking about the loving father and the banquet table and the gifts, but if you go to the next slide, if you read it across, it's know the loving father and what he says about you, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Go to the banquet table and be filled up with his presence, love, and the gifts he has bestowed upon you. Two, to do what? Grow in the gifts he has given you and use them to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison doors, and on and on. So, it's like, I just couldn't believe. I mean, I was awake at 2.30 one night. I was awake. That was that was the start of my day, but I was in bed for a long time. The next day I took a nap and I woke up and I was like, there it all is again. And that's when he revealed that to me. And it was just like this whole day of, of God speaking to me. Um, so just to sum it up, how the Father leads us to the table. He's beckoning and calling us every day. So we need to come every day and eat your fill and get filled up, and then take your gift, whatever it is, even if it's something small, because you have no idea the impact that you will make on people as you go. And as we do these things, it comes full circle. We are demonstrating our love to the Father. So that's what I wanted to share with you. (laughs) Thank you. Ah, That's all my nerves.
0: Awesome. Isn't she lovely? Yeah. Thank you. One of our favorite people in the whole world. Um, could you put up that last slide again, Wilma, please, the know, go, and grow? I want to uh, have two young men uh, come up front in just a moment, and they're going to share very similarly, but yet very, very different. You went to Gilman, Illinois, which is... Yeah kind of in the middle of a cornfield. I've been to Gilman, Illinois a lot in my life, many, many, many times. And I don't know that you could get too much different, more different than Gilman, Illinois and Papua New Guinea. <laughs> very, very different. But as Sue explained, um, you understand the father, what he wants, what you're called to do, and so you go. And then you're going inevitably, when we obey, we grow. And I've always found it amazing so often, and especially in a Western country that we live in, we're all about knowledge. We want knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Give me more teaching. Give me more insight. Give me more understanding. And it's great. There's nothing wrong with it. But one of Jesus' best words in the Bible is a real simple word called go. And uh, the two men, can I have Andy and Ivan, can you all come up front real quick? This is Andy and Ivan, blessed us. Can you have your mom and dad? Are they in here? Gabby, can you guys stand up? Carmen? These two and Gabby belong to Carmen and JC. I don't know if he's out front doing... Oh, there he is over the side. Sorry. They're talking. They're okay. It's just for this morning. No relational issues that I know of in Jesus' name. All good. Um, But these two young men have had made a decision to go, to take the good news, take the anointing of God, and to travel across the world. We just had some people come back from Guatemala. Uh, we've had many people in this, in this church uh, have gone across the world. But I've asked these two young men to share their testimony of what Jesus has been doing in Australia, New Guinea, uh, we love them. We bless them. They're two amazing young men, and we'll get a chance to pray for them, and they might even get a chance to pray for us at the end. So it's Andy and Ivan.
2: I'm going to let Ivan go ahead and tell his uh, his experience, and then I'll come up. So.
3: All righty. Good morning, everyone.
1: Good morning.
3: <clears throat> so, yeah, like you know, my name is Ivan. Uh, my journey started about one year ago, so as I was preparing, I really felt like um, God just wanted me to just explain what I've gone through this past year, so that is that is what I'm going to do. So about one year ago, uh, I left my home here in O'Fallon, and I found myself at a YWAM base in Townsville, Australia. Now, I absolutely had no idea what I was going to be doing here, but my brother ensured me that I was in good hands. So I followed him, and I just showed up here. So if you guys don't know what YWAM is, YWAMs is a missions organization all around the world. Uh, we are found in 180 countries with roughly 1,200 bases. So they're everywhere. You can find them everywhere, even in the United States. So when I first arrived in Townsville, Australia, um, I did a program called the DTS, which stands for Discipleship Training Course. Now, this course is five months long. Um, there's about 12 weeks of lectures, and there's eight to 10 weeks of outreach. Uh, during one of my lecture, lecture days, I vividly remember uh, one of the speakers asking us to, uh, to pray and ask God to break our hearts for what breaks His. And, you know, I never really understood what that meant, nor did I know how powerful of a prayer that was. But during this year, God's really just shown me what what it is to to feel His love for those around Him. So I started um, outreach, and I was a part of a trekking team. Um... I left and I was in Papua New Guinea for four weeks. I was in a valley between two mountains. It was called the Warrior Valley. Now, our whole point was to start at one end of the valley and we would make it to the very other end of the valley where the airstrip was. So we had to make it to the other end, which is quite a long trek, but we made it. During the four weeks that I was in the valley, uh, we spoke at many churches. Uh, we, We gave many educational talks to teenagers growing up. Uh, We had the privilege of deworming hundreds of kids with big bellies, and we just allowed God to really just work through us. And all these pictures are actually from the medical ship, which I'll be explaining here shortly. But yeah, on our final stop when I was in the valley, uh, we reached a pretty large village, and there was a a large group of youth there. So we figured we're gonna have a little youth gathering um, on our final stop, so I remember this. It was like a Saturday morning. We really had no idea how many people would show up, so we separated into groups, and I myself took it upon myself that I would be speaking to the younger—no, not the younger—the the older and old—the older men. So Saturday morning comes along, and I find myself in front of 80 men, and. They're all aging from 15 to 60. <laughs> yeah. So I looked to my left and my right, and I was only with two other people on my team. And we, we gathered our thoughts, and we're like, okay, I really don't know what kind of message that we're going we're gonna to speak to this large group of people, ranging from a variety of walks of life. So we just, we start talking about what God's done in our lives. And Wow. God really just showed up and was able to just use the things he's done in my life to relate and transform others' lives. Um, on that day, uh, he really showed me what, what he means by this. He's, um, he does not call the equipped, he equips the called. And he really just showed up that afternoon. And we spoke for about two and a half hours. I really couldn't tell you what we spoke about. But he showed up and by the end of it, more than half of the men were just weeping in tears. And we had the opportunity to pray for every single one of them. (laughs) So, during the first five months, God taught me the power of just simply saying yes. So I had graduated from this DTS. I'm sitting in Townsville, and I have no idea what I'm gonna do next, but I really felt like I needed to stay. So I decided to stay there in Townsville. And continue on to a course called a primary healthcare course that they provide there. And um, so my original five months of leaving home turned into a full year. Keep in mind that everyone that is a part of YWAM is a full time volunteer, meaning we do not earn a salary, we do not get paid, we have to fundraise every single dollar that we use. So I've been technically unemployed for a year now. <laughs> It mind boggles some people but I really felt like I'm gonna stay so I said yes to stay and even though I didn't have the funds for the course I applied I got accepted and everything and I decided all right God yeah here's your time to shine (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I always knew before ever coming to Australia and Papua New Guinea that God was a provider for me but Really, having to put it to a test pushed me and stretched me in ways I could never imagine. But in the end, it, it made my roots so much deeper. This primary healthcare course that I was a part of is, they have 12 weeks of lectures, all medically based lectures. And um, during this time period of the lecture phase, my brother and I are, are fundraising, doing all sorts of strategies to come up with the amount that we need. And we both really felt led to to be a part of this school. So about 11 weeks later, my brother and I are looking at our account. And we still owe roughly between both of us 6000 Australian dollars. And we have one week to come up with this. <laughs> and I kept on thinking to myself, um, the bigger the problem, the bigger the, the platform. So as, as big as $6,000 may seem, I knew at the time that it was just a platform for God to, to really show his faithfulness. Yes. Yeah. So I decided that we would not stress about it. We would not worry. We were simply going to just pray. We had exhausted and reached out to as many people as possible, but God had it in his heart to supply our needs other ways. So on the very literally the last moment at the most perfect time on a Monday morning between three donations, we had all the money we needed and it was a very, it was a very exciting day for us. (laughs) After that, we were all ready for outreach. I spent six weeks on the ship, which is the pictures you are seeing here. And uh, I worked in the primary health care clinic, the optometry clinic and the ophthalmology clinic. And during this time, God really broke my heart for what breaks His. He ignited a passion for, the, for people in my life and showed me just how powerful His love is. I'm going to go on and tell a little bit of a story that I have. Working in the ophthalmology clinic really changed the way I see um, eyesight. And this man right here in the purple, his name is Aso. Uh, when he first came onto the ship, I had to physically help him onto the ship because he has bilateral cataracts in both eyes, and they're to the point where he could not even perceive light, barely. So, um, I helped him up the steps. I had to guide each one of his feet to the next step, and guided him all the way to his, his chair, and um, yeah, he couldn't even see the chart. So, many of us on the ship were like, okay, he really he really needs some help. Let's see what we can do. He qualified to have the cataracts removed, and Later that afternoon, he had the cataracts removed, and it was really amazing to see him come back the next day. When they come back for post-operation, they have a big old eye patch on their eye, and I had the privilege of removing that eye patch. So I wish I had the picture, which I, I didn't put on there for some reason, but I remember when he removed the eye patch, he had such a big smile on his face. Let me tell you, this is the first time he had seen in I don't know how many years... And we are all just so surprised. He was able to see the chart from the very first day, and it's supposed to take months for recovery. So he was even able to walk back to his seat without being assisted. So it really, it it was really just eye-opening, literally, to to see this. And yeah, for example, that is like a patch on a post-op surgery, but God just really Showed me his love for people and and just showed me how he can use me even even when I didn't think he could. In in many ways, he just equipped equipped me with many different skills and he's blessed me so much during this opportunity. During this last outreach, God really reminded me the story of of David, and and more specifically how David's father um, told David go up to your brothers and give, give them some bread and go make sure they're okay. And it was just because of Dave, David's simple obedience to go up to his, his brothers and follow his father's um, directions that he was able to meet his next opportunity, which was to defeat Goliath. And God really spoke to me that the importance of just simple obedience and the importance of just saying yes to opportunities and, and that's, that's exactly what um, God's allowed me to do this past year and he's truly just transformed the way I look at life in all sorts of aspects but I just really wanted to come here this morning and just encourage you guys that it's, it's the little things that you do in life and it's the little steps which will lead you to the bigger the bigger things that God has in store for you So, uh, I have exciting news. As of last week, I finally decided that um, I will be going back to Australia on September 4th, and then I committed to another two years. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see how God continues the ministry in Australia and in Papua New Guinea, but I'm going to... Play a little video and then invite Andy up right after. But thank you guys for everything.
4: My name is Victor. I come from Papua New Guinea. I love my country, it is so beautiful and so diverse. We are known as the land of the unexpected, the least explored country on earth. We are made up of many different tribes, each with their own traditions. Me and my people live in villages. We live in high mountains, jungles, rivers and the coast. Though we have much beauty, we are facing very big healthcare challenges. Many of our women die in childbirth. We have one of the highest rates in the world. TB has been declared as a national emergency. Our children are dying of preventable and treatable diseases. Many of us will never see a dentist in our lifetime. Hundreds of thousands of people have low vision or no vision at all. McCarthy had been blind for 10 years. Her and her family heard about the ship being in their area and paddled in their canoe for two weeks to see if there was anything that we could do for her eyesight. After a 45 minute operation, her sight was restored to perfect vision. She saw her three children for the very first time that day. She went from someone that was downcast, that had no hope in her face, to someone that had light in her eyes, someone that had hope and excitement for her future.
2: It's so amazing what happens when the ship first comes into the village. All the men, the women, the children, they all gather along the, the shores and they start singing, start dancing. The ship is more than bringing healthcare, um, it's, it's really bringing life and really giving them hope for the future. On board the ship, we have a day surgery unit, a laboratory, dental clinic, and lecture theatres, which allows us to bring specialised care right there to the people in the
4: community, in the villages.
1: It is a partnership in the true sense in that it is helping to assist and support and promote uh, what is already contained uh, in our national health plan and uh, working very much in collaboration with the existing health system.
3: The training element of the medical ship is very, very important. What that does especially our health workers working in remote settings and those difficult settings it empowers them it strengthens them it gives them that uh, someone does care i've been involved now for over 30 years and really it comes back to we want to help people and uh, so many people don't have the opportunity to have basic health care or training and it's just such a privilege because the true the true value, the true resource, the true uh, gold that's within the nation of Papua New Guinea is its
1: people.
4: My dream, I want to be a nurse. I want to help my people in this this and country.
1: One of the things I love most about the book of the ship is seeing young Papua New Guineans engaged seeing young, passionate uh, Papua New Guineans from urban centres able to come out into a rural context, building their nation.
2: When I think of the message I want to live, it's like me liking life. I want life, and for you and for me, we still have life and live it to the fullest.
1: We look despair in the eye and we say, you do not have the final word. We're people who have our fingerprints on a torch of hope. That's Papua New Guinean fingerprints, Australian fingerprints, fingerprints from all around the world, that press forward, because we want to live.
4: So arise, holy sons of this land, let us sing of our joys to be free, Papua New Guinea.
2: Uh, well, good morning, everyone. Again, my name is uh, my name is Andy. I had the privilege to speak here um, December in 2017, um, from the first time I went to Papua New Guinea, and um, before then, I hadn't really got into the primary healthcare side of things. So it was difficult coming up with um, uh, what to say in a small amount of time, and the amount of stories my brother and I have, uh, we could just sit here all day. Um, But I I prayed and I asked God what he wanted me to share. And a little bit what he spoke to me about was um, about how I had a perspective for things there. Um, Over in Papua New Guinea, some of the statistics that they highlighted, it's a really difficult place to work with. A lot of the places that um, I go to are very remote. So um, the ship is an incredible tool that we have, but What I do is we go out into the places the ship can't go. So I wish the ship could go up mountains, but instead I have to take these little airplanes that freak me out. Um, But it's great uh, sometimes. Um, But yeah, so I asked myself, how did I get here? And it blows me away. Um, I shared a little bit last time how my life before I really wasn't, uh, before YWAM, I was, kind of just walking around aimlessly in life. And I didn't have much a sense of purpose or direction in how God pulled me into this, this country, Australia. And I was like, I had no purpose. I didn't want to go to Australia. I liked it here. But all I did was say yes, and God changed my life. And he showed me all these things in Papua New Guinea um, and he's continued to speak to me. And a little bit of what I wanted to talk to you guys about was how I got into healthcare, and a little bit of how God guided me through that. Because that was a big step for me. Um, when it came to healthcare and a lot of the diseases and a lot of the things I heard about there freaked me out. I was like, I don't want to get tuberculosis or malaria. But I was like, you know what, God, I know you spoke that you want me to get into um, this primary healthcare care course. Um, so I'm just going to be obedient and do it. And throughout that time, God started to show me things. And a lot of the things he showed me, uh, there was always a different side to it, a different angle to it. And it was a lot of times just seeing through God's eyesight. Um, And that's something that will always stick um, with me. Um, But I work a lot in clinics and in areas that are very remote where people come up to me and they tell me, I'm hurting, I have pain, I have illness, I'm, I'm sick, I don't know what's wrong, and they're looking at me a lot of times as this crazy, uh, well, Hispanic, but we have a team of people, and they're looking at us, why are you here? It doesn't make sense, and especially when we tell them we don't get paid or anything, but they ask themselves, why are you here? Um, instead, we, we just say we're here because we want to serve, and we want to um, you know, love you guys, and, and really help all, you know, in any way that we can. Not just medically, but spiritually. And be able to pray over people and speak at the churches they have there. So I get this a lot. I ask people, um, what are your symptoms? What's going on? And they tell me, this hurts. And there's something about when you get down on your knees and see this big infected wound or infected toe. But when you begin to, um, when you begin to scrape away at it all the, the pus and all the nastiness, it sounds gross, but... It's a reality there that um, it showed me something about God that I'm like, God, you have me here just cleaning these people's wounds. But he started to speak to me through that. And what it was is God's not afraid to get his hands messy and get into those wounds in our lives. See, a lot of the things God showed me through health care wasn't just about health care, but it was also about um, our, our spirit, what's inside. People come up to me and tell me I'm hurting. And God tells me people aren't just hurting here in Papua New Guinea, but spiritually inside. There's, there's some wounds I want to take care of. There's some things I want to clean. And, and I, I find myself in this position where I feel so honored. People come up to me and it's like, I need help. And at times, I, I have to be honest, all I can do is pray for them. Because I, I don't have all the answers. But there's something that comes out and it's really when you're in these dark places and these places where they, people, they just do not feel seen, isolated, where God really shines. He really comes out and he really shows people um, who he is. Um, so a lot of what God has taught me this last, I would say, year is how to view things in perspective. Um, and I have a lot of stories, but the one story that he really highlighted to me to share, I was a bit skeptical about, um, but it wasn't a, a great moment in, in my life. I, felt I, was in a, I was in this area that was in western Province. It's known to be very isolated, very dark, um, and there's not a lot of people that go there. And I was in this particular, almost like a, it was in the swamp, but in the swamp there's this island, um, and it's called Balamo. And in this place, not a lot of people like to go visit the people there. They're known to be a bit, uh, what's just a bit nastier at times. They can be, but we went anyway because we felt God's conviction over us. We need to go here, and we need to go. So we went, and the things I saw and the things that I was put through, it changed the way that I saw life completely. And it changed the way that... I did things in how I lived my life after that. See, I went into these areas thinking, you know, I can do all these things, but really it was just God um, doing something in my life as well as the other person's life. So I want to tell the story of Reuben, and um, you're gonna have to bear with me. (laughs) This one's a bit, still a bit tender, but um, Reuben was born. um, I I was there with him. Um, He was born. He was born a sick child. Um, he was underweight, he weighed about three pounds, and um, I was there with Ruben, and man, there's something about this little guy, and I just, I, I did everything I could for him. And he started to decline, his health went down, his respiratory went up, meaning there's usually a sign of some kind of infection going on, so um, I'm looking for uh, certain kinds of antibiotics that'll work for these children. But, the problem with these antibiotics are very strong at this age and they can cause problems. So you have to be very careful when to use them. Um, but it seemed like he was declining at a rap- rapid rate and he stopped uh, and he stopped feeding, um, which is never a good sign, especially at that age. Um, and what I did is I went over and in this health center they had, they had almost no medication and what little medication they did had was expired. Um, so I went over and I just started praying, God, I need a feeding tube. I need something so I can be able to manually hand-feed this child because he's not getting enough food in his system. There's, there's not enough, um, he's not getting enough milk and he, he's deteriorating. And I looked and I looked in this little box of feeding tubes and they were all adult sizes too big. And finally, I found one. I stuck my hand and I was all right, God, I, I need a feeding tube. And it was the perfect size and I pulled it out, and I put it in the feeding tube, and I started, um, started hand-feeding him through a little syringe. You just give him a little bit of milk. And there's something about spending um, that much time with, with life, this precious life. And you, you start fighting for it. You start really praying, and then you're sitting. And it's like, God, um, you know, um, will you help me? Let's, let's get this little guy better. And if you would have seen my life before, I had very little regard to life. I lived my life very wildly. But now here I am fighting for this little life, and um, I'll never forget it. And then one day, Reuben really declined. Uh, about the fifth day, he declined. And in Papua New Guinea, a lot of these places, death is absolutely normal. And there's not really much you do resuscitation-wise. And, um, and I saw this, but, and what happened is Reuben went under, and and there was a healthcare worker there, and she was like, "Oh, that's it. We're gonna call it." And I was like, "Well, something more has to be done." So I started doing little chest compressions, and I and I kept and I, and I kept going and going and going, and it was breaking my heart. <clears throat> it was breaking my heart because I saw how much I cared, how much that I I could love something, how much I can um, really. <clears throat> really fight for someone. Before my life, before just the previous year, before I I was living wildly, I didn't care if I died. I didn't care what happened to me. But now I have this life in front of me. And I see how much value is in it. And I see how much value is in other people. And I stopped viewing people how I did. And now I I see them completely different because of of this story of Reuben. And and, uh, I came back, and unfortunately, we lost Reuben. But it wasn't The death of Reuben I want to focus on, it's actually of the value he had and what God showed me through this moment. And what it was he gave me later that night as a vision. And it was of me. And I was laying on this table and I was dead. And I saw these hands compressing, compressing, saying these words, come back to me. When I realized what God was trying to show me is there's people every day that are alive. And he's just putting his hands over them saying, come back to me. And, there's so, much, <clears throat> and there's, there's so much pain and there's so much suffering that is going with thought, within people that are living every day. And God's been convicting me and telling me, bring them to me. Yes. I can do this. You might not have all the answers, but I can do this. And for some of you, um, God wanted me to share, uh, share this. He, he says, I see your pain. Some of the men here, it's hard for us to be able to say, I'm hurting sometimes. That there's something, there's something inside, there's, there's a wound that needs cleaning. And the thing about cleaning a wound, that it hurts. All right. Initially, it doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel pretty, but it causes it to, you need it to heal properly. It needed to be clean. And I feel like God is saying, I want to heal some of the things that happen in your life. Maybe some people in here, um, I get the, that same picture, I'll never forget of how it was for me. God was physically compressing, saying, come back to me. And that's all God really wants. And He wants to be able to um, He wants to be able to give His love and be able to treat the wounds in in your life. So even when I'm in Papua New Guinea, it's never just about the health care. It's never just about uh, helping the the physical needs, but also the spiritual needs. What's behind it? What's this person going through? And that's what I've one of the things I've learned through even the harder moments in my uh, in, in my time out there is God wants to not only teach us, help us, love us. He wants to heal us. He wants to take care of us. Sometimes the process isn't fun. It takes a long time, but, um, but God will get us there and he'll, and, and he'll perform and do things in our life we can't ever explain. I never thought in my life I would be going out in Papua New Guinea. I didn't even know where it was. And then God was like, told me to go to Australia, and like Ivan said, one step to the next step, and you end up in these places, and you're like, God, who am I to end up here? You know, who am I? Maybe that next step for you is your next door neighbor. Maybe that neighbor that is in this place of darkness, and you have this light inside you. You have this, this God that lives within you, and I want to encourage each and every single one of you, it doesn't have to be Papua New Guinea, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to travel the world to see real change in other people's lives. You just have to be obedient. God, where do you want my next foot to land? Where do you want me to take me in life? And we will see real change, real transformation in people's lives. Um, you can go to Papua New Guinea and, or wherever in the world and be blind. But ask God to open my eyes. Show me the hurt that's out there. Um, and that's what I've been... One of the things that God's been really put in my heart to, um, especially with with this church, they've blessed us so much. My brother and I—I I remember we we would come here, and um, before we went over, and man, we were we were into some crazy things. We like to go out party. We would just sit there, just like oh. But I thought when when I came when, when I came into Wyoming, I was just like man. I don't have a church like to really support me. And Pastor Tom, thank you so much. He took us in and he was like, we love you guys. We care for you. I know you skip some Sundays. No, I'm kidding. He didn't say that. <laughs> he, he didn't say that. Um, but thank you so much. Um, we hear about you guys praying for us over in Papua New Guinea. Um, and it means the world to us. It, it really does. Sometimes it can be, uh, it can, I'll be honest, it can be a little bit lonely out. You know, coming back here has been uh, so great. Um, but uh, but those prayers really carry us. Some of the places we go to, um, they can be dark. But we, you feel this, even through the hard things that you go through, the hard things that happen, you have this sense of peace you cannot explain. You know, from some of the things that I went through, um, my base was like, you need to see some counseling, some therapy, and... And I was like, but God does something. He gives you this peace within that you know things are going to be okay. And he's going to take good care of you. And you see him do it all the time. So feel free at any time. If you guys want to know more about Papua New Guinea, not even Papua New Guinea, but a little, some of the stories. We have so many stories. We would love to to sit down. We'd love to share. As well, if you need any prayer. For any prayer at all, um, a lot of the things that we ask for in clinic, um, what are your symptoms? What are you feeling? What are you trying to, um, like, what's, we're trying to figure out what's wrong, and it's the same, it's really similar to when you're trying to figure out what's going on with someone. Maybe it's the anger, where like, man, I'm just angry all the time, and there's always a root to it. There's always a source, but I love how God, um, he really takes that, and he starts beginning to work. He begins to heal, because he wants to see his, his children run around, set, you know, free, um, and yeah, so at any time, um, Please find my brother and I. Send us a message. We'd love to share. Um, and yeah, thank you guys so so much for everything you guys have done. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thanks, buddy. So we're going to conclude there with with two things. Just before we go, um, I would like this this is not a fundraiser, but I'd like for us to have the opportunity to sew into these two young men. Uh, They have monthly needs, uh, and I can tell you about that uh, after the meeting, but they also have just needs. And so maybe you're sitting there and you think, I I have a better chance of going to Gilman, Illinois, the cornfields, beautiful cornfields, and the train track of Gilman, Illinois. I have a better chance of going there. I love to travel. I'd have to go as a single person. You'd have to know my wife. But I can't, I'm pro, honestly, I am probably not going to go to Papua New Guinea. I, I, I didn't think I was going to go to Perulia, India, either. But I can't go to so many places, but I know people who can and do. And so I have an opportunity. As an American, we are fabulously wealthy. We have something, and many times it's maybe an education, and it may be in my pocketbook. So I just want to encourage this one. You may be able to write a check and say, I want to support these. I, I really like that Ivan. I love his hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or Andy, can you believe that guy? Man, I remember he was sitting over there. He was sleeping. He was doing, he was a maid. No, that's joking, joking. Um, I remember these guys. I remember those guys. They were sitting. Didn't you guys go to both the high school across the street? You know, right across the street, two young men, Gabby across the street where Gabby is. You know, they they're right here, and they're in Australia. They're in New Zealand. Do I have an extra hundred bucks? Yeah, I do. Just write a check this morning, Life Church. If you want to support them every month, twenty-five, fifty, hundred bucks. I guarantee you, it will go well to see people's lives change. no, and then we go, and as a result, we grow. I look at these two young guys this morning, and to see. Two years ago, three years ago, wow, it's amazing. But that's what Jesus does, and it's a simple thing. He says, go. And for those people who aren't going, I have an opportunity. It's really simple, an opportunity. It's not complicated. So um, last thing before uh, I dismiss everybody. Just this morning as I was praying, I just felt like I wanted to give people an opportunity. We have a prayer team every week who are ready to lay hands on people. But the three people who shared this morning, healing is in their hands. Sometimes God, it's amazing how God uses things in the natural, and then they have a, a spiritual, and it's first the natural, then the spiritual, the scripture that says that. So this morning, if you, if you have something in your, in your life, it may be a physical condition, it may be discouragement, depression, I'm just struggling in life, just with Sue, God has used her uh, when she prays for people for healing, for Ivan, for Andy. If you'd like to be prayed for, don't be bashful. Instead of going to the prayer team, sorry, prayer team, not a slight in any way. But I just felt this morning, if you have a physical ailment in your body, God uses people uniquely for healing. Amen? That's part of the DNA of this church. We believe it. So if you have something going on, real boldly, i have Sue kind of you know, slide over towards not not right now, in two seconds. Um, go over there. So, we're done. Thank you for your uh, for coming this morning, Father. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. Yeah. I thank you for prayer that parents prayed over their children for years. For JC and Carmen to see their sons, to see the beautiful daughter, their prayer. They affect things. And for you, for me, if you're struggling with a child, don't give up in prayer. God changes people's hearts. So don't give up. Father, we thank you for all the children that are represented in this family who are serving God, who are still the prodigal, they're still away. Father, we will not give up in believing and praying and seeing them come home, Lord, that we would race to meet them and embrace them, not with guilt, not with accusation, not with you wasted, but an embrace to re-inherit, to throw a party for these these amazing lives that you've allowed us to to have. So Father, open our eyes for our neighbors. Father, we may not go to Papua New Guinea, but what about St. Charles? What about Florissant? What about my street? Father, open my eyes to share your love. Bless our week, bless our day, Thank you for your faithful love, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.